You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from His Word today. It's been my prayer over this message that God would use this in a very effectual way to change hearts. The only way to change the direction of a life is to change the heart. And so I've really prayed over this message that God would take it, use it, and change some hearts today, which will result in lives being altered. I want to preach on the life of Moses today. Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. I want to read verse 23 through verse 29. I've entitled the message this morning, Living a life of victory over sin while living in an ungodly world. Living a life of victory over sin while we live in a very ungodly world. I don't think any of you would challenge me on that issue that this world in which we now live is very ungodly. Very sinful very wicked. We were gone for a couple days up north to a basketball tournament that I believe I was involved in and we came back last night. I think we got home around 8 o'clock and so I grabbed my Bible and my notes and I went and sat down on the couch and I thought, you know, I just want to catch a little bit of the Olympics. So I turned the Olympics on and they had ski jumping where they go up this big slope and then they turn and twist and all kinds of different things and come down and land. I don't know what that event is called, but it's amazing. How many know what I'm talking about? It's like, I can't believe this. And so one of the Americans got up there and he did his thing and he comes down and he had, I think, the highest score at that time. And they flipped over to his family and they're all cheering. And instead of holding the American flag, they're all wrapped in the LGBT flag. Where they had taken the stars of the American flag and cut the stars off of the American flag and they had sold them onto the LBGT flag. And in my heart, I was so grieved. I thought, what an abomination to a holy God. Just after that, the commercials came on, and we don't watch commercials, so I flipped to the news station. On the news station, he said, our next segment is going to be how women who pose naked feel empowered. What an ungodly sensual, wicked, sinful society that we now presently have to live in. Do you know that there has been 18 school shootings just this year? We're only a month and a half into this new year. And 18 school shootings have taken place. And everyone is trying to figure out, how can we stop this? I'm going to tell you, the only way that this is going to be stopped is not by taking away our guns. The only way that this is going to be stopped is when America turns back to God. And that turning must begin in the church of Jesus Christ. 
Is it even possible to live victoriously over sin when we live in such a corrupt and ungodly world? Well, Moses did. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. You need to understand a little bit about the Old Testament and Moses' life to get a handle on what's going on here. Talk maybe a little bit more about it and we get into this message. By, by faith, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had recompensed, he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, which the Egyptians assailing to do were drowned. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you in a very powerful way, bless the preaching of your word. And Lord, would you use it to change hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The hour seems to be moving along so quickly here, and the passages that I have right here to read to you um, would take up a good portion of time. And so I'm only simply going to refer to these passages of Scripture and not read all of them. You can do that for yourself. But in Luke chapter 17, the Bible says, listen to me, as it was in the days of Noah. And as it was in the days of Lot. So shall it be just prior to the return, to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We, listen, listen. We have never lived in a day and age more like the days of Noah when God saw that the wickedness was great and the imagination of man's heart was only evil continually, that God had to send a flood and destroy man from the face of the earth. We have never ever lived in a day and age like we are living today where it is like it was in the days of Noah. Not only does that passage say as it was in the days of Noah, it says as it was in the days of Lot. How was it in the days of Lot? What is all involved? It's all about Sodom and Gomorrah. It is all about homosexuality and the pervasiveness of homosexuality and the acceptance of homosexuality and glorifying homosexuality. Where are we today? We are now in the days of Lot. In the days of Noah, in the days of Lot, we are in the days just prior to the sound of the trumpet 
and the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. If you're not ready for the return of Jesus, you better get ready now. It's coming soon. First Timothy says this, or Second Timothy chapter 3 says this. This know also that in the last days, again, just prior to the coming of the Lord, perilous times shall come. For See if this does not describe the very day and age in which we live. Perilous times will come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. That's the perversion of sodomy. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, no self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Having a form of God, not even speaking about the church. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. There we are. And there you have it. Second Peter tells about all the false prophets that will arise in the latter days. And then it says this, many shall follow their pernicious ways. Now that word pernicious is not a word that we use anymore. Most of us don't even know what it means. But it has to do with immorality. Many shall follow their immoral ways. And then it goes again to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. How it was turned into ashes. As an example of them that hereafter should live ungodly. The Bible talks about how the world will embrace wisdom which is earthly, sensual, and devilish. How there will be envy, strife, confusion, and every evil work. Does that not sound like the culture in which we live? Yes or no, church? So is it possible to live in victory over sin in a very ungodly and sinful world? The contemporary church, the church of today, I believe has vexed its righteous soul just as Lot was vexed by seeing and hearing the filthy, the filthy deeds of the men of Sodom. For that righteous man dwelling among them by seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. I don't care if it's considered lawful by the Supreme Court. The court of God says it's unlawful, it's filthy, it's wicked, it's an abomination in the eyes of God. I was so grieved the other day when 
Brother Schmig was with us on Wednesday night who deals with the Michigan Association of Christian Schools. And he sat down with me right up here to the pulpit. We prayed before the service and we started to discuss the affairs and the state of our Christian schools. He said, Dan, you're not going to believe this. He said, but almost every Christian school I go into now, the students are embracing homosexuality as acceptable. As Christians living in this world, we cannot help but see and hear the filthy wickedness that's taking place all around us. Right? I couldn't help but see and hear it last night. But I want to tell you this. We do not have to be vexed by it and influenced by it, and we certainly don't need to become like it. I should have heard a shout and amen on that one. When Jesus prayed for his disciples, and not only for his disciples, this is just just prior to his arrest and crucifixion in John chapter 17. He says to the Father, he said, I have, now this is Jesus in prayer. He said, I, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. You think of the mocking that's taking place now in this once Christian nation of Christianity. I don't know if of any of you I caught just a little snippet of this, but there's these, I don't know whether they're on in the morning, whether they're on in the afternoon, I don't know what channel they're on, but I think they're five, by what I've heard, they're five very wicked, immoral, ungodly women that sit on this panel called The View. And our vice president, I thank God for our vice president. I thank the Lord for his boldness, for his faith, for his outspokenness. Here's a man that's not ashamed of Jesus. He holds the office well and with dignity. The other day he came out to state his love for Jesus. And then he reads his Bible every day. That he talks to God and God talks to him. And he was ridiculed and maligned by these women on The View. I will say this to you. If he would have been a Muslim, they would have never have maligned and degraded him. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of this world. We ought not to be of this world, in it but not of it. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. I pray that thou shouldest, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from evil. God doesn't want us out of the world. He wants us in the world, not like the world, and not involved in the evil that is in the world, that we could be lights shining brightly for the sake of his kingdom. He goes on in the end of this prayer. I wish I had time to read the whole prayer. But he says, neither pray I for these alone, not just for my 12 disciples here, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. You know why I'm saved? Because I believe the word that the disciples left for us. So you know what Jesus is praying? He's praying for me. I'm in his mind here, and so are you. That we would be in this world, but not of this world. Yes, we live in a sinful and ungodly world. 
But God, help us by keeping us from being vexed, influenced, and like it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I'm begging you. I guess really that's what I'm doing today. I'm begging you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. That's all you have to give him. That's all he really wants. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. To say I have nothing to give to God is not correct. You have to give to God what he wants the most. That's your bodies, your life. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't be pressed into this world's mold. I see the world pressing our teenagers into this mold, and I hate it. I want to speak against it and fight against it and encourage our young people, break out! Don't allow this world to conform you into its image. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In this book right here. That ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God has a better plan for your life than you have for yourself. Present yourself to him. Let him take over. Throughout the Bible, we have what I call victory verses. For example, 1 John 4, 4. Got a couple pages of them here. Year of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than what? He that is in the world. What a victory verse. 1 John 5, 4. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Romans 6.14 Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, but you're under grace. Romans 8.37 Nay, in all things, even though we live in an ungodly world, nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. 1 Corinthians 10.13 There hath no temptation, temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will with that temptation make a way of escape. If you'll take it, he'll make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 15.57 But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. These verses, and many, many, many more victory verses, I could read and quote to you today. God has provided us, Christian, victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. I uh, read a story just maybe a couple weeks ago. And this was an event that took place before we had all the technology that we had today. 
even before we had walkie-talkies. <clears throat> Some of you remember that time of year. But there were a group of firemen, and they were fighting a forest fire. And as they were fighting this forest fire, the fire began to encroach upon them. And they realized they were trapped. There wasn't a whole lot that they could see because of the fire and because of the smoke. But they realized they were going to die. And so frantically they were trying to find a way out. And they'd go this way and that way and this way and that way. And everywhere they went was nothing but a wall of fire and smoke. So they huddled together and they prepared to die. And they heard a plane fly over above them. And as the plane flew over above them, there were some weighted notes that came down out of the plane and told them that there was one little narrow way to escape out of that inferno. They did not question the authenticity of those notes. They simply took the coordinates and they went in the direction that the notes told them to go and they saved their lives. You talk about getting a message from above. Amen? As I heard that story, I thought about the condition of this world in which we now live. It is an inferno of wickedness. Everywhere you go, go to the right, go to the left, go forward, go backwards, everywhere you go, you seem to run into all this filth and wickedness and perversion. And sometimes you can't even see the way out because everything is so smoky. But I want to tell you something. We have a message that's been dropped from above that tells us that there is a way to escape the corruption that is in this world through lust. Thank God for the notebook that gives us the instruction that we need. And so as we go back to our text and we consider Moses and how he was raised and how he lived in a very desperately wicked land, but yet by faith he escaped. Not only did he escape, but he took a lot of other folks with him. Amen? For those of you who may not know, the land of Egypt in which Moses was raised and lived in, in the scripture, it's always a picture of this wicked, sinful world in which we live. So here we have Moses living in and being raised in Egypt. In a very sinful and wicked world. Yet, by faith, God gave him the victory, and he came out of that land, and he brought many others with him. So as I stopped and really began to meditate upon this passage of Scripture, and think about it, and how Moses' life should apply to us today, there are some things I want to share with you that I think will help you to escape the inferno of wickedness that rages all around us. First of all, Moses made three firm decisions in his life. When I say firm decisions, I'm telling you, listen to me, decisions he was not going to go back on. 
These were firmly rooted in his mind. Look at verse 24 of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You may remember Pharaoh was going to kill all the little baby boys, told the midwives to kill all the little baby Israelite boys because they were so increasing in number. He was fearful that their numbers would just outtake the, overtake the Egyptians. And so he wanted all the little baby boys to be killed. For three months, his mother and father hid Moses in the bulrushes. Remember the story? The basket and the bull, they hid Moses for three months. After three months, Pharaoh's daughter one morning was down bathing in the Nile River, and maybe she heard or saw or whatever, little uh, Moses over there whimpering in, in his basket. She goes over and she finds this little precious little baby boy. The very beautiful child. Everyone thinks their child's beautiful, right? Little beautiful baby boy. And she was taken with this little baby boy, and you all know the story. She took him. She raised him as her own son. She adopted him into Pharaoh's family. And it was very possible that Moses, being raised as the prince of Egypt, one day could have become the king of Egypt. But he came to a point of his life, he said, I refuse. I refuse to be called the son of of Pharaoh's daughter. The second decision that he made, look at verse 25, he said he chose. First he refused and then he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So he, he refused something and he chose something else. If you're going to live for God, if you're going to live a life of victory over sin in an ungodly world, you need to refuse some things and you need to choose some other things. Number three decision that he made is he esteemed, this is verse 26, 24, 25, 26. He esteemed the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He did some figuring. And he chose the eternal Wake up. He chose the eternal over the temporal. If you want to live in victory over sin in an ungodly world, you need to make the same three decisions that Moses made here. Say, what do you mean, preacher? Number one, you have to refuse to be identified with the sons and daughters of this world. I will not... I will not identify myself as a son or daughter of Egypt. I am a child of God. I am not a child of this world. Listen to what God's word says. They which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. We're not children of the flesh anymore. We're children of the spirit. They are not... They're not the children of the flesh. We are the children of God. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. In this, in this the children of God are manifested. And the children of the devil, whosoever doth righteousness is not of God. 
Neither he that loveth not his brother. But by this shall... But this we know. That we love God. We are the children of God if we love God and keep his commandments. Got a little tongue tangled there. The bottom line is this. If you're a born again Christian, you no longer belong to this world. Amen? God has chosen you out of this world. You are a children of God. Listen, I want to tell you one thing. I do not want to be identified with Egypt. In any way, any shape, any form. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ but with Belial? Or what part hath the believer with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and I will walk with them. They will, I will be their God. They shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Just like Moses did. Wherefore, come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Our problem is we're handling, we're touching the unclean thing. And it's making us as a church and as the children of God as unclean as the world itself is. You must refuse to be identified with the sons and daughters of Egypt. You must then choose to be identified with the children of God. Even if it means you may suffer reproach for the cause of Christ. This choice, I am not going to be a son or daughter of this world. I'm going to be a child of God. I'm, I'm, all those that live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer some forms of persecution and rejection and humiliation from this world. But he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You want to know who I want to be identified? I want to be identified with the children of God. I don't want anyone to ever identify me as one of the children of this world. If I look like the world, if I act like the world, if I dress like the world, if I talk like the world, if I go to places the world goes for their entertainment, then I'm of the world. I'm what the Bible calls a carnal Christian. I do not want to be a carnal Christian. I don't want that label. I don't want that identity. I want the label as a child of God. Joshua said, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day who you will serve. Well, listen to what he said. Dads, I'm going to come back to you in a minute here. He said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You want to be a part of this house? We're going to serve the Lord. You don't want to be a part of this house? You're out. Peter said, but and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready to give a man an answer that asks you of the reason of the hope that lieth within you. 
For it is better for the will of God to be so that we suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ has suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. You know why we don't want to be identified as the children of God? Because we don't want to suffer. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Choose life. You have to be refused to be identified with the sons and daughters of Egypt. You have to identify with the children of God, even if it means you will suffer some rejection and maybe even some persecution. Number three decision, you have to esteem the eternal rewards greater than any temporal rewards that this world will give you. Did you, did you hear me? You have to esteem the eternal rewards greater than any temporal rewards that this world could ever give to you. He esteemed the reproaches of Christ greater treasures than the treasures of Egypt. Let me tell you something. He had all the treasures of Egypt available to him. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate from your company and shall reproach you and cast your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy for behold your reward is great in heaven. While we look not upon the things that are seen, but on the things which are not seen. This is where most Christians get hung up. Is that battle between the temporal and the eternal. And we're so drawn to the temporal. By faith, he made his decision. And he got focused on the eternal, not the temporal. Can you imagine how difficult of a decision this was for Moses to turn his back on all the treasures of Egypt? Come on now. All the treasures of Egypt. Think about the lush and plush life that he had. Think about the servants that he had to serve him. Anything he desired was there at his beckoning call. And he was willing to turn his back on all the treasures of Egypt. To suffer affliction with the people of God. Let me ask you a question. He turned his back on a lot of worldly treasures, but what do you think he has today in heaven? Come on now. So he made these three firm decisions. The next point I'm going to get to, and it's 12 o'clock, and uh, if you have to leave, that's fine. I'm staying for the rest of this. Because this is so important, what I'm going to talk about right now. He refused to compromise. He refused to compromise. Go back to Exodus chapter 8. I want you all to go there. tells us that by faith he forsook Egypt. He checked out of Egypt. Man, I'm checking out. 
Remember, Egypt represents the what? World. Who did Pharaoh represent? The devil himself. So Egypt represents the sinful, ungodly, wicked world. Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, represents the devil himself. And what the devil did to try to defeat Moses was offer him, offer him some very clever compromises. Have you ever heard someone say, well, you know what, I just had to compromise. Or I thought making a compromise was better. Now, if you're making a compromise with your wife as to whether or not you're going to eat Italian or whether you're going to eat Mexican, I guess it's okay to compromise. But I'm here to tell you about compromise. Compromise is people who say, you know what, I'm going to give up something that I really believe in in order to gain. You never give up and gain. When you give up, you lose. I don't even want that word in my vocabulary. One of the problems we're having in government right now is that there's too many compromisers there. Moses refused to compromise. So Pharaoh, the devil, brings to him four compromises. Look at Exodus chapter 8 and verse 25. <clears throat> the first compromise, he said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. Four plagues had hit Egypt. The river had turned to blood. Everything in the river had died. Then after that, all these nasty, slimy, disgusting frogs come spilling out of the Nile River. There's frogs everywhere. Everywhere you step, there's frogs. Frogs are in everything and on everything. You can't get away from them. After that plague comes the plague of lice. Alyssa came today and I was getting ready in the bathroom and I was combing my hair. It doesn't take long, let me tell you. <laughs> Done. And she said, Dad, I, I found this on my bed. What is this? Man, just this little tiny, I said, it's not a flea. I said, could that be a bed bug? She goes, no, I Googled it up. It's not a bed bug. <laughs> she said, it's got a tail on it. I don't have my glasses on. Okay, so like, yeah, it does. I mean, it's just a little tiny thing. I, she, I said, well, you know, I don't really know what that is. She turned to walk out and I said, I know what it is. She goes, what is it, Dad? I said, it's a bug. <laughs> Profound, huh? Could you imagine lice? Lice everywhere? Then after the lice comes the flies. And Pharaoh says, Moses, you need to make a compromise. I know that you're religious and you want to be religious. Just make your sacrifices right here in Egypt. You don't have to leave and go out into the wilderness to make your sacrifice. You could worship God right here in Egypt. You know the devil is saying the same thing to Christians today. You can be religious, just stay in the world at the same time. The Bible said, know ye not that friendship with this world is enmity with God. 
To be a friend of the world is an enemy of God's. So the devil comes to us and say, you can have God in Egypt too. A matter of fact, you can make your religion and you can make your churches worldly. You can entertain people and you can have worldly music. You can use modern versions of the Bible that the world loves. That way you'll not be convicted about your sin and about your worldliness when you go to worship. Just tack a little bit of Christianity and worldliness together. Stay in the world. Stay in those modern, contemporary churches that only hold service on Sunday morning and then the rest of the week you can live for the world. You can feel comfortable in those churches. But stay away from those independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching, sin-hating, KJV churches that preach that hellfire and brimstone message because they want to see people saved. No! You can worship God and stay right here in Egypt. And I'm here to tell you, no, you cannot. God does not accept that kind of worship. You cannot have the world in Jesus too. Take this world, but give me Jesus. The hymn writer said. You know what Moses' response was? Listen to how Moses responded. He said, it is not meat. This is not right to do so. It's not right! This, I'll tell you something, we need some men and women that'll stand up and say, it's not right to bring the world into Christ's church. It's not right! He said, For we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. I'm telling you, it is an abomination what's going on in some of our churches today that said you can have Jesus in the world. We'll just mingle them together. He says, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes? And I'm here to tell you, no, we should not. I'm with Moses. I'm not with Pharaoh. Compromise number two. Look at uh, chapter 8 and verse 28. He said, I will let you go. He said, only ye shall not go very far. Stay right here in Egypt and, and worship. Moses said, no, that's an abomination. He said, okay, okay. Second compromise. He said, I will let you go, just don't go very far away. Don't be one of those extreme, separated fundamentalists who are trying to keep themselves from the sinful pleasures of this world. Stay close to Egypt. That's where some of you are right now. You are not fundamentalist. There's nothing that grieves my heart more, seriously, than a Christian saying, I'm not a fundamentalist. Pharaoh says, stay close to Egypt. Live on the border. Keep it close. So you know what? You can go back and forth. If you want to be religious, you can. If you want to be worldly, you can. And by the way, this is what he said. Entreat for me. 
Pray for me. Worship for me. Sacrifice for me. What do you think Moses said? He said, no. We will go three days journey into the wilderness and we will sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commanded us. Listen, we're not going to go just a short distance away. We're taking a three-day travel. They were willing to travel three days to go to church. We have become so soft, so coddled too. We've been made so comfortable. Taking a three-day journey to separate from Egypt and to worship the God of heaven in holiness? I'll never forget being in Haiti and seeing these people who left at 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning and walked all the way to town and did their market and then they came to the church and then they gave their tithes and offerings in this Nipah Hut Church. I'll never forget, I never, never will forget seeing the offering plate having a dead chicken, what looked like a sweet potato and a carrot was put in the offering plate. That's all they had. And there were a number of people that were there. Left at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, walked all the way, did their marketing, came to church, stayed at church all day long. When it got dark, we had the evening service. The preacher had to go around. I was preaching by a little candle. The preacher had to go around and hit people on the head with a stick to keep them awake. And then they have to leave and travel another three or four hours on foot to get back home. And we cannot even get in our nice, air-conditioned, well-heated, comfortable cars. And if we have to even travel an hour to go to church, we're like, oh, such a sacrifice. Seriously? Seriously? Better stop on that point. I'm going to get mad. I heard this quote. It said, many today who are saved still want to live in the suburbs of sin. Compromise number three. Okay, men, you know I love you. Here we go. Go to Exodus chapter 10, verse 10 and verse 11. Compromise number three. See, Pharaoh was not finished with offering compromises to Moses, and after three more plagues, after all the cattle die in the land of Egypt, after boils break out from the top of the head to the sole of the foot of every single Egyptian, including their animals. After hail, hail mingled with fire has struck the earth and has obliterated the trees and has burned up most of the grass. As the grass begins to sprout, a swarm of locusts come through the land. And any green thing 
is destroyed. Pharaoh says, I'm going to offer another compromise. Look at what it says here. Exodus chapter 10, verse 10 to verse 11. He said, go now, ye that are men. Go now, ye that are men. The men can go. After all, Moses, you know, it's really dangerous out there in the wilderness. I'm going to tell you something. It was dangerous in Egypt. Moses, the men can go, but don't take your kids with you. Don't take your wives with you. Don't take your families with you. Listen, leave your wives and your children and leave them behind. And don't drag all the old folks with you either. If you're so bent on leaving Egypt, just you men go. Can I tell you something? The devil hates the family. He hates family religion. He is doing everything he can do to break up the family. There's nothing more beautiful than the family coming to church together. Amen. Where's mom and dad and grandma and grandpa? Sons and daughters and grandkids. There's just an accountability there. I've heard someone say, well, that's just a family church. Hallelujah! We're a family church. Get your family in church with you. I think it's Satan's strategy to break up the family, and we need men that are going to stand up and say, I'm not going to compromise. My family, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But, Daddy, I don't want to go to church today. Get your butt in that car, you're going to church. I know that Abraham, he will command his children after him to keep the way of the Lord. As I stopped and thought about this, I actually wrote it in last night. Three days journey. All right. You women, could you imagine three days' journey, packing up all your children, packing enough food, maybe a change of clothes, to take a three-day journey to go into the wilderness just to worship? Do you think that some of those women were not saying to their men, Honey, honey, honey. This is a little extreme. Pharaoh has said we could worship in Egypt, and then he said we could worship just a little bit outside of Egypt, and Moses wants to take us for three days? Does he have any idea? And by the way, they had really big families back then. Right? So Pharaoh was afraid of. I love Moses' response. And Moses said, we will go with our young and we will go with our old. We will go with our sons and we will go with our daughters. For we must 
We must hold a feast unto the Lord. This isn't an option. Oh, that we would have men that would stand up and say, This is not an option. Compromise number four. I'm sorry this is taking so long. Actually, when I did this message, I thought, this is a short one today. (laughs) Compromise number four. This is the last compromise he brought. Look at verse 24 of chapter 10. He said, go ye, serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. After one more plague hit, and that was the ninth plague, and three days of darkness had come upon the land, he said, Moses, you can go only leave your livestock, leave all your wealth here in Egypt. I love Mo- What does Moses say? This was one uncompromising guy. He said, our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not a hoof be left behind. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love this guy. He was an independent fundamental Baptist. There are, these are our sacrifices and our burnt offerings unto the Lord our God. That represented their wealth. He said, listen, it's not ours, it's the Lord's. The devil says, go ahead. Be a Christian. Just don't bring your wealth into it. Leave your wealth here in Egypt. Don't give your tithes. Don't give your offerings to the church. Don't make financial sacrifices. Don't make financial commitments to the Lord. Just leave your wealth here invested in Egypt. Can I tell you something? If you want to make an investment, you invest your wealth with the Lord. I also thought about this. Don't listen. All that that the the cattle and flocks and herds represented, don't dedicate your business to God. Your business is yours. You can do with your business what you want to do with it. You can do with your wealth what you want to do with it. just, Just keep it here invested in Egypt. As I thought about that, I thought about this. The devil knows just how to get to our hearts. Where your treasure is, there will your what? Moses said, you're not getting our treasures. You know what, young people? I would like to see a whole host of young people rise up and say, devil, you're not getting our treasures. Our treasures, our life, everything that we have is God's and it belongs to the Lord. After Moses had made his firm decision, after he had refused and chose and esteemed and then said, I'm not going to compromise, you know what God did? Gave them an amazing deliverance. When the Egyptians came after them, they passed through the Red Sea on dry ground, which the Egyptians assailing to do were drowned. 
I don't want to be a child of Egypt. I want to be a child of God. And I want to live for Him. And I don't want all the judgments that come upon Egypt to come upon me. But I'm here to tell you, you listen to me. You listen to me, young people. You live for this world, you will reap the judgments of this world. Through faith. He was able to keep the Passover. Through faith, he was able to pass through the Red Sea. And through faith, he entered into heaven's glory. And I'll guarantee you, today Moses is very, very glad that he did not compromise and stay in Egypt. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.